Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It is a Monday show. If you've been listening to the last few weeks of Monday shows with me and Ari Wasserman, you've been listening to us rank jobs in college football. And uh, that came from a reader question that we figured would be a one-off, but everybody loved it so much. We They told us, no, I'll give us this conference. Now give us this conference. Now give us the group of five. So we're like, ah, sure. Okay, fine. So because you guys are so creative and you give such good ideas. We decided we're going to make today's show a Dear Andy and Ari show. And these questions that you're going to hear come from our mailbag sections on The Athletic. So uh, if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, we, we put out a call every week for Dear Andy questions for my mailbag that runs on Thursdays. Ari puts out a call for questions for his recruiting mailbag. And you can ask us whatever you want. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be on topic. Uh, I got a question, Ari, about uh, how I would do against Paul Feinbaum in a Hell in a Cell match. <laughs> I like my odds, I gotta say. <laughs> so, I don't know. Are you are you a tough guy? Uh, I I am not, but I am probably a hundred fifty pounds heavier than him. No, yeah, I mean, and you were a college athlete. Feet. Let's not forget that you were a college uh, athlete. It was a college tackling dummy, but that but that ne- neither here nor there. I am I am significant. I'm probably a hundred pounds heavier. And Paul's a lover, not a fighter. So I, I'm not worried about that one. But yes, people will ask us anything is, is what I'm getting at. And <laughs> I, I feel like we got some really good questions here. I, I, I sent them to Ari ahead of time because we like to be somewhat prepared. We're not, we're not very prepared on this show. But we like to be somewhat prepared. And he, he comes on and he's like, the first one is driving me insane. And I was like, That's, that was the point. That's why I chose it. Yeah. Are we, are we ready for this one? Yeah. Go ahead and read this question and see if the re, if the listeners' minds collectively blow the way they my head exploded when I was reading it. All right. Dan in Minneapolis asked this question. As much as everyone likes to say the NCAA basketball tournament is far superior to the college football playoff for its supposed inclusivity, can we admit that's not the reality? If Gonzaga wins this year, it'll be the first time since 1990 that a non-power conference team won a title, uh, and the UNLV team is the the team he's talking about that had three lottery picks, unless you count a 2014 UConn team that won its fourth title in 15 years from the American Athletic Conference. It's yeah, I don't know if we count them as a power conference team or not. There's a long, there isn't a long history of small conference teams winning before that either. Since UNLV won, Duke has won five titles. UConn and UNC have each won four, and Kentucky's won three which doesn't indicate a ton of variance. Obviously, there are six power conferences in basketball as opposed to five in football, but the idea of a Cinderella ultimately prevailing is kind of a fairy tale. Ooh, Dan getting a little philosophical there at the end. Uh, Ari, I'm going to give you the floor on this one. The thing I don't understand, and maybe I'm just alone in this, is that does a postseason tournament can only be great if a smaller school wins? Like, is that the only metric? Because I just watched one of the best sporting events of all time. I, honestly, of all time. We're, we're recording this Sunday. So we are yeah. 
right now we are less than tw- I, I think we're less than 12 hours from Jalen Suggs shot going in to give Gonzaga the win in overtime against UCLA. Right. And UCLA was an 11 seed. And yes, they're in a power conference. They're in the Pac-12. A lot of success from the yeah. Pac-12. But, but they but went John the- Wooden isn't walking through that door. <laughs> but it was a first four to final four matchup. And they pushed what people think might be one of the greatest college basketball teams of all time to overtime and lost on a half court buzzer beater. And it's just like, just because UCLA isn't a power, I mean, a, a mid major or a smaller school doesn't make their run any less incredible. And the thing about the sport is that in college football, the fifth best team in the pac 12 or the fifth best team in any conference isn't winning a national championship. Yeah, and maybe no that's chance. not, and maybe that's not the case, uh, too, in college basketball, Where, but but maybe it is. And UCLA, I will say, from the game that we all watched, is good enough this year to win the national championship in basketball. And making the Final Four and doing the run that it did was ultra entertaining to me. And, you know, I don't know if if everybody just universally agrees that the basketball tournament is more is better. I think that it's unequivocally more entertaining because there's more games and more upsets. And I think we kind of know exactly what is going to happen for the most part, once you get into the final four of football. Um, but I don't think there's anything. The only thing I'll say is I don't think there's anything better than Titan versus Titan in college football, but well, in and, this and, tournament, but it's the same thing in college basketball. I mean, that the, the thing people don't really want Cinderella showing up in the final four. They want Cinderella to entertain them the first weekend or two. They, they want Cinderella gone by the Elite Eight. They want Titans when you get to the Elite Eight. That's why the, this this year's Elite Eight ratings were like, and, and it probably had something to do with the days it was played on too, but I, I think people looked at this year's Elite Eight and were just like, huh, really? You know, you want like, you want Kentucky, Indiana in the Elite Eight, Kansas, Duke in the Elite Eight. That's, those are the games you want. I mean, or Kentucky, Duke, if it, the, the Leitner shot was, a, was an Elite Eight game. But that's what you want. And, and it's not, it's not like the, the Cinderella thing is the only part of the tournament. It's, it's a feature of the tournament that also allows you to get to where you have the best teams playing. And oh, by the way, who's playing Monday night for the title? The two best teams over the regular season. Right, right. And, you know, everybody's going to watch that game and it's super exciting. And the thing about the tournament that I think is more entertaining is that there's a bunch of games and it goes for multiple weekends and there's always something to see or watch and yeah, you, crazy you stuff happens that every year. You, you can't do it in football. And the availability for crazy things to happen is far more available in basketball than it is in football. So like right. if you are somebody who, th- who thinks that you can only judge the postseason by whether or not Cincinnati could win the national championship in football last year, then you're looking at it through the wrong prism. And that might be yeah. true to a certain extent in basketball too. But the fact of the matter is, is that the fifth or sixth best teams in a power fives conference when hot at the right time with favorable matchups can make it to the final four. And that gives every fan base in the sport hope that their team can actually do something special when it matters the most. Now, I think there's another argument about what this tournament does to college basketball's regular season. Cause I think most, See, I don't people, think it does anything to college basketball's regular season. Nobody I think, watches college basketball's regular yeah, season and nobody would watch it. If it had a more boring tournament either, you like, want you know why people watch football's regular season. It's not because of the postseason format for football. Because football, they better? watch it because <laughs> they like football better. 
<laughs> Americans have shown time and time again, the ratings bear this out every single time, whether it's pro college, whatever, we like football better than basketball. I know, but there is a certain extent of if you're a Arizona basketball fan, for instance, because all my friends are because that's where I went to school. You don't have to watch Arizona in normal years when they're not out of the tournament for self-imposed sanctions during the regular season. And then everybody is collectively bought in at the end. Whereas if there were if it was a 12 team tournament or a 16 team tournament and all the conference champions made it and that was it then you might be forced to watch Arizona basketball in November and December. You wouldn't watch it November and December. You might watch it a little bit more in February. Yeah. I mean, because, like, I don't know about you, man, because I I just didn't watch. I've been watching a ton of college basketball, like, during the tournament, but I didn't watch any, like, zero. Congratulations. You are most Americans. No, I know. So Now, I I will argue that the, the best thing they could do for their regular season in basketball is get it out of football's shadow. Started in January, and I realize that changes the CBS doesn't want that because of, they want this tournament to lead into the Masters. But you could change it where the Masters is the lead into the tournament. Like there's no reason you couldn't do that. And so play your because I I would like to see the non-conference games, the really good regular season non-conference games, but I'm not watching them in November when there's football to be watched. Yeah, it's not. No, I agree. I agree. It, but the thing about it, too, is that those games don't matter. And when games no, don't matter, don't. interesting or, or, or unless you're gambling, there's nothing interesting to watch. The thing about football is that every game matters to a certain extent. Now, that but might not be thing, true. The other reason the other reason the tournament is so popular is it is a very easy thing to gamble on. So is uh Northern Illinois, uh, Toledo on Tuesday night. I, I don't know. I mean, that is a big reason why that is so popular, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, watching the tournament is just more entertaining. I don't know this year. I think we're going to get the champions going to be the best team in college basketball. I don't know that that's always the case, but like UCLA, nobody watched their regular season and then they gave their fans an opportunity to remember something for the rest of their lives. And in football, UCLA, who had, if like the football team had the equivalent of the UCLA basketball's regular season, it would just be another, we'd be talking about how Chip Kelly might be be on the right track. In the Las Vegas Bowl, maybe. Right. And I think that that kind of stinks. But at the same time, the thing too is the natural progression here, Andy, is always, well, look how awesome the basketball tournament is because it's so inclusive. But it's like if you did this with football, at the end of the road, it would still be the f- the final four teams that are in the playoff right. every year. Now, and all you would thing. have is a I bunch of blowouts. Should, it doesn't work I think in you football. Should make, you, you can make football more inclusive but not ruin the regular season. Like if you double the amount of teams in the playoff, you go to eight, you're you're not ruining the regular season. Eight – so. That would be 6.1% of the FBS teams making the playoff. If you want to do power five, it would be, you know, it'd be 10, it'd be 12% essentially of the teams making the playoff. So 19.3% of the basketball teams in division one make the tournament. Actually, no, I did that wrong. Cause I did, I did 64 and I, I meant to do 68. So yeah, it's 20, basically a little over 20%. Of the teams in in Division One basketball make the tournament, it would still be a much more exclusive tournament. It would still be a much more exclusive tournament than the NFL playoffs. So, 
I don't have a problem with going to eight. Now you go higher than eight because that's where you, that's what you need to do. How exclusive is your tournament? You still want the college football playoff to be the most exclusive tournament in sports, and it would be. But having a few other teams in the mix is not a terrible idea for the reasons that go against what everybody says are the reasons that this would ruin anything. If you add more teams to the college football playoff, get it to eight, you engage a lot more people at the end of the regular season that are engaged now. I think eight is the perfect number, and I think it's probably going to get to that at some point. You get all Power Five conference champions in, then the Cincinnati's and the Bay and the BYU's of the world have a shot. Coastal Carolinas might have a shot. But let me ask you this, Andy, just off the cuff. What game are you most excited to watch this year? Like as you like which game pops up in your head right now are you most excited to watch coming into the 2021 season? Well, I, I like Clemson, Georgia to start. I think that's fun. And that's a we game just, we could see in a four-team playoff. And that's what I just knew you were gonna say that because that's the best game. Yeah. Or Ohio State, Oregon. Yeah. If Which we may not champion, get to see. What if Oregon doesn't make it? <laughs> like the point I'm trying to make is if conference champions get automatic bids in football with an eight-team playoff, which is how I assume they would do it if it ever expands to eight, every Power mm-hmm. Five conference champ gets in automatically. Correct. Yes, those games are still amazing because you want to watch them, but the luster of nervousness from the fan bases and the people watching in terms of what that's going to mean for the national title race, it just completely evaporates. Does it? I mean. I don't know. I guess if you want to be an at-large team, you know, if you have to win that game. If every game is a play and get – yeah, if every game is a win and get in situation – now, there will be games that aren't win and get in. Like the the number one team in the country, let's say that's Ohio State. They could go into the Big Ten championship game and know that if they lose, they're still in. But the thing is they're still playing for the conference championship, which still means something, so they're not going to rest their starters. And also, if the – uh, the underdog gets in, they're in the playoff. Like, that's huge. No, I, what I'm saying, though, is, is that Oregon and Georgia, and I guess the, the Clemson-Georgia game, whoever loses that game this year, is still not dead in the playoff race. Obviously. No, they're not. They're either so one. Maybe I actually, that was exam. another mailbag question. That was another mailbag question that I answered this, this week was who's under more pressure in that game, and the answer is really neither one. They, they can both make it in the playoff. So, But there is a, um, a huge dynamic of bullet point resume type stuff. And maybe that would still exist in an eight team playoff. But I remember well, maybe this is just more of a BCS thing, but I remember back in the day where if you lose your, you felt like your season ended. And like, I well, think there's the a thing. certain element to that. That still exists. You're still, still going to feel that way, or it's going to be, you have to beat Alabama to get in, or you have to beat so-and-so to get in. So when you lose, it's still going to be heartbreaking, but the difference is that conference championship Saturday or, or the Friday and the Saturday, if they do some games on Friday, are going to be so intense because there's a gate, there's a spot in the playoff on the line in every one. I mean, in the Pac-12 playoff games going to mean something. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I am for expansion, but I also am wary to those who think more than eight is the right thing to do. Because then you would have Alabama playing Coastal Carolina. They'd be a 32-point favorite. Then the next week, they'd be playing Cincinnati. They'd be a, a, a 17 or okay, 8. Okay, yeah, but you all everybody you always goes like to nine. that end of the playoff. What's What about the Notre Dame-Texas A&M game? 
What about the Oklahoma-Ohio State game, which we did not get, which we would get? If it goes too far is what I'm saying. Eight is perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, if you take it too far, eight. you're going to have three weeks or two weeks of games that are completely blowout boring. And like, well, if we're and getting again, blowouts in the final four. So imagine if you expanded it to 16 or whatever, just so everybody feels good about their chances of making it. You don't want to water it down. I think eight is the right number. If it goes any further than eight, then you start messing things up. Well, eight's also the time frame of the, the basketball tournament. It's three weekends. Yeah. So don't go past that. You can't. You don't want this lasting a month or a month and a half. This is the, the that would be the right number, and it would help the regular season in a lot of places, and it would make the tournament still the most exclusive tournament, but not so exclusive that it's the same four or five teams getting in every year. And I, I'll take before we move on. I will take one more issue with Dan's question. So if Gonzaga beats Baylor on Monday night, it will do something that could not be done in college football. Like Gonzaga sort of sprang on the scene in college basketball in the late 90s. Uh, you had the the Dan Dickow shot to beat, or no, sorry, Casey Calvary shot to beat Florida uh, in 1998. And that's where, when you knew, okay, this is, this is a program that is kind of plucky. We'll see what happens with them. And then they built into one of the best college fo- basketball programs in America. And the way they did that is they spend on college basketball the way a power five school does. You know, they're, they're no different, really, than North Carolina or Kentucky. I would argue they recruit better than both of those programs right now. More, more not so much because they get the blue chip, the blue chip of the blue chips, but because they know what they need. But they also still get the real blue chip, guys, because we saw Jalen Suggs make that shot. Jalen Suggs was probably the blue chippiest prospect in America if you combine football and basketball last year. Yeah, yeah, it's Gonzaga is not in a power conference, but it's a power team. Like this is, and you can this, do that in basketball. You can't do that in football. Drew Timmy, who completely took over that oh. game, I looked it up last yeah, night because I was just people. interested. Yeah, that was amazing, and he's got the best mustache in the history of human uh, humanity. But I went and looked up, like, okay, because I, I, I admittedly don't know anything about college basketball, right. as you found out a, a month ago when we did but, the selection but, show. Yes, but, Drew, Drew Timmy is a 6'10 lefty who can handle and shoot from the outside. And, but I and went and I said, I'm like, so if Gonzaga is viewed as a small school or a, 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 or used to be a Cinderella, I went and I looked and I said, let's go see Drew Timmy's recruiting profile. So I went and I looked it up. Do you know this information? Because I was watching the game. I don't know game. who he was choosing between, no. Okay. Um, because after the game was over, Dallas local news came on and the sports anchor that was just on as I was like laying searching stuff on eBay uh, came on and said, Richardson, Texas native Drew Timmy killed it. And I didn't know he was from Texas. So I was like, I'm going to go look at this guy's recruiting profile. I want to look at this. He was the number 43 overall player in his recruiting class. He was a four star prospect that was fringing on a five star. He was the number 10 center nationally and he had offers from a bunch of power five schools. And because of course, any top 100 player is going to have that. Then I'm thinking to right. myself, we can't view Gonzaga as um, Gonzaga. Some under Gonzaga. We're going to gonna teach you how to say it before they win the national title. I want to bring something else up to you too, because I was listening to the solid verbal and I, you just got mm-hmm. me off on a tangent and I love that show. And one of the questions or one of the readers said that uh, Ty always says Baylor wrong. And I was wondering, now that I live in Texas, am How I do saying, you say Baylor wrong? How's that even like, possible? Baylor. Baylor. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know if there was like a a way to say it that I was missing. Because 
What did I say? Is Gonzaga I the right so. way or Gonzaga the right Gonzaga. way? The Zags. Gonzaga. They call him the Zags. The Gonzaga. Zags. Yeah. Drew Timmy had offers from Alabama, Illinois, Texas A&M, Arizona, Baylor. <laughs> See, I say it, Baylor yeah. now. Boston College, Florida, Louisville, Michigan State, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Purdue, Texas, and every other prospect. All, that, all programs all, that have gone very deep in the deep tournament. in the tournament in recent years. In the years. last 10 years. And yeah, it's yeah. like. If we're using like, because the question used Gonzaga, is that right? I, I'm wrong. That's right. I don't Gonzaga. 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 You got um, it. Nevada. Gon- Nevada. Nevada. But people say Nevada. Uh, uh, Gonz- uh, you need to see. You need to watch Veep. Yeah, I need to. That's on my list. But he's using them as an example of if they win this year, it's the first time since 1990 that a non-power conference won. It doesn't matter. They're a power school right. now. They go to the right. Elite and Eight U- every and year. And UNLV was at the time as well. UNLV was just dominant at that time. So, it's like if Loyola Chicago wins the national championship, which I think was possible, you know, a few years ago when they made their crazy run, and I thought they were good enough to go. Them losing when they lost this year was kind of you know surprising to me because my friend told me there was a stat that. Um, in the last 10 or 15 years, every team that's won the, the NCAA tournament has been a top 10 team in defensive and offensive efficiency, and Loyola Chicago this year was one of them. So it's just like you can't view f- basketball through the same prism that you view football. And also, context matters. And you can say, yeah, Gonzaga is – I said I, I feel like I say you it wrong. You said it right. You said it exactly right. Gonzaga is a, a non – When you say it wrong. <laughs> a non, or, a and, non, and a little ding when you say it right. Yeah. It's a non-power conference uh, team, but context matters. And I always feel like people just ignore context to fit what they think, and they don't if really you like can, If you can grab top 100 recruits when you want, which is exactly Texas. what Gonzaga can do, or, or anywhere. Like, yeah. Okay, Jalen Suggs is an even better example because Jalen Suggs is a point guard everyone wanted, but he also was a quarterback everyone wanted. So... Not only did he choose Gonzaga over these other really good basketball schools, he chose them over Ohio State and all these football, football schools. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know. Like, in the number 11 national overall player uh, in his class. It's just like, that's it. If, if you're getting five-star prospects to go to your school and then they're hitting uh, buzzer beaters from half court that hit off the glass, then you're not a Cinderella. You're, you're the favorite. And they were... I think weren't they the most overwhelming favorite from a gambling standpoint to win the tournament yes. in the last ten years? They they were, and and it's just I mean, look, they have the roster's insane, and it's because they recruit better than everybody. I mean, they are the Alabama of college basketball this year. Just, they're they're the most perfectly constructed team in the country. They're so, so good. Yeah, I mean, and, and Baylor could still beat them. <laughs> That's the other part. Baylor could still beat them on Monday night. And Baylor's a national champ, and that's that. Yeah. So, I mean, and also, Baylor was one of the best teams in the country. But I think sometimes people view powers through the college football lens and then assign those powers to other sports. And I don't know that that's always the right thing to do either. Yeah, and, and it's Baylor, like Baylor thing, like, yeah, Scott Drew took over a disastrous situation at Baylor, but he's done a really good job there. Baylor in basketball on the women's side has been dominant for years. You could have a good really dominant basketball program at Baylor. They don't ne- ever need to get good at football. It's not like, like well, here, here's all you need to know. Duke in football, not great, Bob. Duke not in basketball, great, Bob. fantastic. 
Yeah. So I don't know. I hope we answered this question, but uh, yeah, no, it, I mean, it, it, it's, it's interesting. It, context matters. And it, it does. And, and look, everybody said a few years ago when the FBI investigation came out that that's the end of college basketball. People are going to stop watching. All the FBI investigation did, as far as I can tell, is get Bill Self a lifetime contract. So I don't really think that changed anything either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's a whole other can of worms. If you want to open it, we can. But no, we can move no, on no, to the no. next question. We, 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 we're, not, we're not a basketball show. We, we don't need to do that. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, we'll go to Michael's question. Who do you think should could be some underrated draft eligible quarterbacks this year? I could see big years from Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati and Kenny Pickett at, at Pittsburgh, just to name some. And now Kenny Pickett's a super senior, I believe. I don't know if yes. he redshirted at all. I know he, he, remember he started as a true freshman against Miami. I want to say before the three game redshirt or before the four game redshirt rule came into effect. So remember he beat Miami was undefeated and he came in as a true freshman and beat them. Uh, th- those are interesting ones. I'll give you now, Sam Howell and, and Keaton Slovis are probably going to be considered the two big draft eligible guys going into the season. And then there'll be somebody else. Cause remember this time last year, none of us was talking about Mac Jones being even in the draft, much less a top, top 10 pick. So I think, uh, I think JT Daniels with a big year at Georgia could could have a pretty good draft stock because it, it seems to me, Ari, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the guys who are five-star quarterback recruits, the, the traits that make them five-star quarterback recruits are the same traits that those NFL GMs covet, rightly or wrongly. And so if he has a good year, they're going to be like, okay, this confirms everything. Let's get this guy. Yeah, I figured that that was who you were going to say first. Can I throw another name out there? Yeah. And and I don't I am a bad at this podcast and I didn't look this up and I'm not 100% sure if he's draft eligible. Is Matt Corral is he yes. eligible? Yes. Uh, it was he's he was called, he was one I was going to name too. Yeah. Okay. This is a sport like he, here in college. Okay. I was like he, he felt like a high school senior uh 7 years ago, but also yeah. I don't know like with weird I don't know. Time flies weirdly in my head, uh, but <laughs> he is a fun quarterback to watch. And Absolutely. I like, and I think that he's got a rocket arm and he plays in an exciting system. And I think he might be potentially one of the top five best quarterback prospects at the, at this time next year. He He's also much better athlete than people realize. I mean, cause that was the thing it, it, with, with him 
And, you know, the, the quarterback competition that they were going to have there, the, the thought was that, that corrals the, the lesser of the two athletes. But I don't know that that's the case. I mean, you go watch that Alabama game. When he got in trouble, he was great at converting third downs with his legs. And that's against Alabama. And, and then all of a sudden, they're in a better position and, and they've got what they need. And it looks like John Rice Plumley is going to be a receiver now. I, we'll, we'll see what, what happens. He played receiver in the bowl game. But, I mean, the thought was that John Rice Plumley is the better athlete. So if you want to have that kind of offense, then you need to do that. But I think Matt Corral is, is a good enough athlete that if you need somebody mobile, he's great. And then, it, you know, if we're talking about the NFL, where nobody, no quarterback is going to be a primary runner then his ability to keep plays alive and move around in the pocket should be kind of exciting. Now, yep. it's the six-interception game against Arkansas and the, the game against LSU that, that you're going to be like, uh, I don't know if we can do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess exciting also means turning it over a lot. But um, I'm upset that they used Desmond Ritter in the question because he was the first person that would pop in my head. Um, I think he's yeah. a really good player. He's he's big. Um super productive, great runner. Like I, I think he's really, really good. And if Desmond Ritter was the quarterback at Clemson or Alabama right now, he would be like the biggest star in college football. I think he's awesome. And there's one other name that I, I want to like, let you talk about. Cause I know you wrote a big okay. story about him. Like Brock Purdy, is that under the radar or is he just like, does that count? I, well, I've been thinking about Brock Purdy cause I don't know how he's going to handle this because they're going to have the same issues that they always have with undersized quarterbacks with him. And he could stay another year if he wants to. Like he could, he, he gets that extra year of eligibility, so he could, he could be a five to play five guy if he wants to and play in two thousand twenty two. I don't know what what he decides on that because do I think Brock Purdy is going to be an NFL quarterback? I do. I think he's going to get paid to play quarterback in the NFL for a long time. Now I don't know if that means as a starting quarterback or as a as a Chase Daniel type backup, but he's so smart. He's so good at just making things work on an offense that I think whenever he decides to go, he is going to make money. I just don't know that he's going to be a top draft pick. Now I will give you another one, Ari, that people, I, I don't know why nobody's talking about this because this is the exact situation that, well, that's the exact situation, but a similar situation to, to a few years ago where a guy we weren't even talking about in terms of the draft wound up being the number one pick the following year. And it's Spencer Rattler. You know, we weren't even talking about Kyler Murray being in the draft. For Kyler, it was going to be because he was going to go play baseball. But Spencer Rattler, this is his third year in college. He redshirted. So if he has another huge year, he could be the best quarterback in the class. Yeah, I, I didn't mention him because under the radar was part of the question. Um, and I just figured that but I don't, he is. But I don't think people are thinking about him as a draft prospect. They aren't? No. I, I think people are looking at, oh, he's Spencer Rattler's his second year as a starter and, and not thinking this could be it for him in Oklahoma because if he's really good, he's gone. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would think that people would know that he's got one year left. I thought, and I don't know if it's just like my uh, Ohio State history coming into play where you just assume that when they're draft el eligible, they're going to go. Um, but he's everything that an NFL GM would want, right? You would think. So yeah, I, I, I always assume that this was his last year. I don't know if I'm just alone in that. Um, I, I what about think, De'Ara I King? Do you think he's a? I think I'm he's not interesting, sure he's isn't he? Going to be an NFL quarterback. He, he's an interesting one because 
there's absolutely no way he would have been an NFL quarterback five years ago. But I think the, the game has changed enough at that level that he will get consideration. But he still may have to do the Greg Ward and, and wind up playing another position. But the difference is now, like, Greg Ward never really got a shot to be a quarterback in the NFL. Derek King will get a chance to play quarterback in the NFL, and he, he can either do it or not. And then the good thing for him is – if that doesn't work, he's probably a good enough athlete that they'll find a place for him on a roster. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I think I, this is a weird one because there's no real obvious one. I, I think if, if you know, we talk about, right, it's, it's either Howell or Rattler being the, the top guy coming out. Right? But there's not, there's not an obvious like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. You know, Zach Wilson was not one we were talking about this time last year. He we knew he was good. We just didn't know he was that good. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, um, quarterbacks like Zach Wilson, who are really, really good. Um, who nobody's heard of right now, but also might actually turn out to be the number one pick or number to- top five pick in the draft. And I'm looking up eligibility. Yeah. Carson strong from Nevada is awesome. Yeah, he is. And a big guy, six he's, foot he's four, two hundred and twenty like pounds. A lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what? Watch out for him. And Nevada's a really Nevada, Nevada, Nevada is a really, really, <laughs> really cool, uh, fun uh, place to uh, or team to watch, and also a fun place to go, which I think we're going to get to on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I just and I think you know, Emory Jones is one I'm excited to see what he does. I don't necessarily look at him as an NFL prospect, but. He's one of those that's just been sitting there waiting to start at Florida. And we don't know what he really is as a thrower because he's been kind of the change-up package. But what if he comes in and he's, he's just a great thrower of the football and you know completes 65% of his passes? I mean, he, this is his fourth year in college. So if he has one good year, he could bounce too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the fun, right? Uh, uh, and also the funny thing too is that like under the radar guys, it's – the overanalyzation of quarterback prospects leading into the draft, I find very amusing too. So it'll be very oh, interesting to Justin see how they Fields break these. thing last week was infuriating to me because that was, that was a clear we're drafting too low to get any of these guys and we need somebody to follow us. So let's, let's spread some rumors. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, people were freaking out about his pro day and I watched every single snap he's ever taken. And it's just like, were people like surprised by what he was doing at pro day? Like, I don't understand. Right. No, you, you know what you're getting with him. Good and bad. I mean, he's got a pretty decent sized body of work at this point. Yeah. I saw a, a few stories. I think it might, might've been pro football focus or one of those, uh, draft places, but that said that Justin Fields had a fourth round grade by a few professional scouts. And I'm just like saying, okay, I mean, fine. They're, they're making money somehow that that's like, like the guy who just wants to be different though isn't it i don't that's know like, whatever that's that like guy's the guy explanation like, is i got i got felipe franks is my top quarterback in this draft i got justin fields with a fourth round grade yeah yeah it's like i can understand him dropping to five if the top five picks in the draft are all quarterbacks but like some things are just so ridiculous so we'll see how it all plays out but he's he's really good at football and you know we'll see how yeah, and quarterback drafting is a crapshoot. It is. Most of those guys, of these guys, probably are not going to be superstars. I, I, I hate to break this to you, if you're a fan of of a team that's drafting a quarterback right now, but 
that's how it works. Like one of these guys is going to work out. It's, yep. It's just how it goes. And I, actually, most of them, it. probably all of them probably will to a certain extent. You know, I think the the thing that you want when you draft a quarterback in the top five is an Aaron Rodgers or somebody who's going to be right. a, a um, franchise. Holmes. Yeah. But I'm sure all five of the quarterbacks that get taken in the top five this year are going to be like productive NFL starters for five to ten years. So this next question comes from Eric, and it is uh, it's one from your mailbag, and mm -hmm. I think this is really interesting. How much different would college football be if the traditional powers better protected their borders in recruiting? Is Texas locking down Texas and US and USC UCLA locking down California and Penn State locking down Pennsylvania? One of the keys to increase parity in college football. At the end of the day, parity comes down to talent comes down to talent distribution, and until these teams can lock down their states, Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, et cetera, will continue to have their way. Now, I do think this is interesting because, you know, we can look at Alabama and their their habit of finding a great receiver in Florida every two years. That's become sort of their thing. Like, oh, who's Alabama taking out of Florida now? Uh, but uh, you've got other situations where obviously the, the best players in Texas don't always go to Texas. Uh, the top Texas prospect in the class of 2022 is currently committed to Ohio State. So you got that going on. California. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau sitting up there at Oregon where he could be at, at USC. I, so yes, how different would this look, Ari, if those, if those teams did protect their borders? Yeah, I thought I used this question, I think, in my mailbag. So uh, I, I'm looking Good, at what I cheated. wrote. Perfect. I cheated. But I, uh, I think that there is one distinct thing that we have to say. Uh, locking down your state is different for everybody because the circumstances of your state aren't always the same. So like for Ohio right. state to lock down Ohio, that's super easy because there might be only four or five players in the state of Ohio that are worthy of that distinction. Whereas Texas locking down its state is a far more complicated proposition because there's a hundred top 120, like a hundred top. There's like a hundred four star prospects in their state. And right. picking they the can't right take ones. them so, all. It's it's picking the correct ones. Yeah. And also Texas A and M is every bit as um, expected to keep Texas kids home in Texas's. So it's a little bit more um, complicated. But what I want to say to rephrase the question is: What if the best players in college football or high school football recruiting played at a school in their state? I think is a better way to view this because you you brought it up, Alabama. Um, absolutely crushes Texas and Florida. I think like you could say that Alabama is the reason why entire conferences are worse. Um, yeah. Because, or at least the top end of those conferences, because they're taking the best players out of the other states. I'm looking at their 2021 class right now. They took seven players out of Florida last year. Seven. And if I lo go look at the, the class, the seventh worst player in that state was 74 overall player in the country. Like that is insane. They took seven top 100 players out of the state of Florida last year. That should be going to Florida, Florida state or Miami. And it's like, okay, well, if you take those seven players away, three of which will probably turn out to be first round draft picks, you're taking three first round draft picks off of teams in Florida that used to be great and want to be great still. And they're doing it in Texas. Ohio state's doing it to Texas. So how much better would the sport be? I think for parody, this is the number one key. And I think people get annoyed that I talk too much about geography in the mailbags and the, the recruiting columns that I write. But geography, I think, is the entire thing. 
If yeah. the best player in Pennsylvania goes to Penn State every year, and the best player at Texas goes to A&M or Texas every year, not only are those classes getting better, but the super classes that Ohio State and Alabama and other schools are creating are no longer super classes because they're not only keeping the best players in their own state and taking the other ones. Now they can only recruit regionally like everybody else. And I think that you would see if that happened, here's the blanket statement that I think college football would be. I think college football would have 15 teams every year that can win a national championship instead of six. And that would be a much more interesting sport. So I think it's that simple. People build, talk build about your fences, guys. Let's do it. Cause like, what do you think? What do you think is the biggest key? And this is like the number one question that every college football fan has. And we've talked about this on the show, but if you could change one thing about the, the state of college football to make it to, to make more parity, would you expand the playoff? Like what would you, what would be your thing? The one thing that you could change? Cause mine would be national recruiting gets harder to do. I think that would fix the entire problem. It would be the magic pill. There's just no way to actually do it. There's no, no way. way. To actually enact There's it. no rule yeah. that you can institute that would stop it. But People say, well, imagine a world of college football uh, where the best teams keep the best player or the, or the the teams keep the best players in their region home. Yeah, I can imagine that. An eight team playoff where everybody in the eight team playoff can win it all. That's the world. Now that you you just envision a world where Oregon can never be good again. So that right, that's going to true. That that's the thing. I mean, it, it does take away in some cases. So I, I just, well, I let's don't change know. the question then to conference. Notre Dame would, Notre Dame would never be good again either. Yeah, what about the best? Right, right. Locking the state is complicated, but how about this? Conference footprint. Conference okay. footprint. But Every player. Is that, that not what is, Alabama does now? I don't know. Alabama completely raids California. That's. I true. mean, I guess Alabama to a certain extent. Alabama's 2021 class took players out of Texas, Maryland, uh, Michigan, Ohio, and South Carolina. So, like, for the most, like, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, Mississippi and South Carolina are all SEC conference footprint. So I think Alabama would still be Alabama under those under those circumstances. And for the most part, I think the SEC probably does the best job of any conference of doing that already. But like yeah. the best players in California have to choose between UCLA, USC, or Arizona State, Oregon, and Washington. Like that would be awesome. There were five or there were three top five, uh, top one, 10 players in the Seattle area last year, one of right. which is going to Washington, two are going out of state to power state. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, what if those three kids all went to Washington instead? Then we might be thinking about the PAC 12 differently in two or three years. You're exactly right. Our final question comes from Caleb. And I don't think Caleb listens to the show, at least not regularly. Because (laughs) if he had, he'd never asked this question. I read the first part. I was like, Andy, Andy, we're going to do this now. (laughs) We're not going to spend too much time on this. We're just going to reiterate a point that we've made about 742 times on this show. So Caleb's question is this, is Mark Stoops a good coach? It feels like Kentucky plays everyone close and they win the games they're supposed to win every year and then some. It also feels like recruiting has been better than usual, still toward the bottom of the conference, but it's the SEC. It also feels like he held Eddie Grant back in his offensive play calling. I don't think that's the case because he got rid of him and went with a different offensive play caller that will probably be a little more wide open this year. But anywho, uh, Kentucky plays a style of football that my dad watched back in the 70s. I don't think that's on purpose either. Also, it feels like his name is never on the list of big name schools for head coach. Maybe I answered my own question. I don't think you answer your own question, Caleb, because Mark Stoops' name, his name is on those lists, but he's too expensive in most of those cases. 
because Kentucky pays really well. Didn't Florida State want him literally two years ago? Yeah, yeah. And and, and the thing is, Kentucky play, pays well enough that it is very hard to get Mark Stoops out of Mark Stoops is a good coach. If you've listened to this show, we've explained that Kentucky is the best job in America because if you can do what Mark Stoops is doing there, which, by the way, is not easy, but if you can win eight games a year or so at Kentucky, that they're going to be happy with you. They're going to pay you enough to fend off anybody who comes to try to get you, but you're still not going to be under the kind of pressure that some of your fellow SEC coaches, and I don't just mean the kind of pressure that Nick Saban and Ed Orgeron are under. I, I mean the kind of pressure that, that South Carolina's coach is under. I mean, like, what, what Mark Stoops did at Kentucky would have gotten him fired at South Carolina, but it's different there. Kentucky's more realistic about things. I think Kentucky is infinitely better than it otherwise would be if somebody else were the head coach because of Mark Stoops' discussion. Absolutely. Like, that's it. I think it's, that's it. Look at, and, the, look at the jump they made. And it took a, a little bit because they were very down after, after the whole Joker Phillips thing. But he's done a phenomenal job. His recruiting strategy is perfect for that place. It is, it is a great job. So do not, do not mistake us, Caleb. Mark Stoops is a good coach. Kentucky is a good job, and Mark Stoops has made it a good job. Uh, and, and he will get a statue built there, and he will continue to make $5 million a year from Kentucky for the foreseeable future. Uh, I think the OC, the OC hire they made is going to go well. I, I actually think they're going to they're gonna have a little step up this year. So this is, yeah, he's in good shape. But yes, if you listen to the show, you know how we feel about that. We, <laughs> we love that, that, that Kentucky has become probably the safest, most reliable job in America. Um, if I could be one other person on earth, uh, it might be Mark Stoops. <laughs> it's exactly right. Some people might because say LeBron or Harry Styles or somebody who's super famous and rich. Mark Stoops, I'm assuming, could walk into the grocery store in Phoenix, Arizona, and most people wouldn't recognize him. He which has, is a plus. Which is a plus, right? And he has a Brinks truck permanently parked on his front lawn, and it's not going anywhere. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We got our random ranking. This is one Ari came up with, and I I like it because I I honestly not put much thought into this before. And so you got me thinking about 
what I what I want in a vacation because Ari said the top five vacation spots or best summer vacations in America. So it could be spots, it could be a, you know you're a tour of something, but these are are our top five summer vacations in America. Well, just to help you out, I just did cities. Okay, good. Well, I I most of mine are either cities or or general regions, but one of them is is you're snaking your way through a whole state because it's built around something else. Okay. It's like, I didn't write number two grand Canyon helicopter tour. Like I wrote no, number no, not, two. Not a, okay. Yeah. It's, it's not a day, a specific day trip or anything. This is okay. You, you plan your whole vacation to do this. Okay. So your number five, Newport, Rhode Island. Oh, I went there I for a bachelor. It's beautiful. I went, I went there for a bachelor party three or two years ago. And, um, if you're not from the Northeast, you might not think of Rhode Island or um, Northeast spots as a place to vacation in the summer. But when I went there, I was completely blown away by how beautiful it was. And there's also a bunch of fun beach bars. And it's just a different type of place that everybody should experience. I, I thought it was awesome. And I, I'm dying to go back. It's a great vibe place. It's one of those where you can tell everybody's there to have a good time. You know, it's there's there's not a lot of pressure going on, and and everybody's just sort of come as you are, and yeah, I I, I liked I like Newport too. Uh, my number five is the most boring one ever because that's that's who I am. My backyard. I like the staycation, like <laughs> sitting on a sitting on a chair in my backyard drinking a beer, is a great great idea. Now I am a. We're we're in the process of maybe putting in a pool back there. So once that's in that there, was my question: Is there a it, pool it, back there? Not yet, but there 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 may be very soon. Well, not soon. That process does not happen quickly, but uh, there there may very well be by this time next year. And in which case, it'll it'll definitely be on the list and may jump up the list. Can I ask you a personal question in front of everybody? Yeah. Go for it. yeah. So uh, Britt and I are in the process of closing on a house right now. Mm-hmm. And my number one thing that I wanted in the house was a pool. That's yes. like, and maybe that's my, the Phoenix in me, but mm-hmm. this house predictably doesn't have one because <laughs> that's what I want. Um, how much does it cost to make? Are you, have you quoted it like uh, to make a we, small, it doesn't have to be big, but like a small modern pool with a, maybe a hot tub where it's just like, you know, the flat pools, a pebble tech, all that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Is it like, Oh, you want the pebbles grand? and all that? I don't know. It doesn't have to be. It's if you want to spot 30 or a hundred. So it's not a hundred, but it's closer to a hundred than it is to 30, probably depending on where you are in the country. And like in Dallas, I would imagine that you can do concrete pools and, and, and find people to put them in relatively cheaply because they're probably people doing it all the time in, in that area. Uh, I'm in Florida. It's, it's a little bit cheaper down here to do it because there are just more people doing it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's really what I'm, what I'm discovering reading up on this is it's, it, it is what you want it to be. It can be as expensive as you want it to be and <laughs> they can get out of control pretty quick. So you got to be careful with the add-ons and the water features and all that stuff. But we, we've, we've got a pretty good idea of what we want, which is basically a rectangle in the ground with some water in it. Uh, yeah. we, might go, we might, we might go sun shelf. I like the whole sun shelf concept. That's really nice, but, uh, it's not going to be super, we're not doing waterfalls or anything like that. So hopefully we, we get out with our shirts, but yeah, it's, it's, if you're going to do concrete with 
with a spa, like 30, they'll quote, somebody's going to quote you 30 and rip you off and you're going to be mad and you're probably not going to have a pool <laughs> at the end of the day. I thought 30, 30 grand was what I was hoping it would be. And as I was looking at what I would want it to be, it was, I was finding 70,000 and I was just, yeah, like, I, th- with, with the, with the stuff you were talking about, like the little pebbles and all that of the, in the finish. Yeah. I think you, you're probably closer to that. So. My parents' pool has a pebble tech, but I think everybody has that in Arizona. So, like, I didn't yeah. realize that that was an upgrade. I thought that was just what people's like the surface yeah, of the pool. In is. Florida, it's mostly just concrete. It's just it's just straight concrete. So, but yeah, I just I think the idea of being able to walk out your back door or like we got a neighborhood pool that's awesome that we can walk to. And there's always a bunch of kids playing that the, my kids are friends with and they can hang out and uh, the parents are all cool and they've already got their coolers out there. And like, that's fun to me. That is as relaxing as it gets. And I don't have to go to an airport or pack, pack any bags or make sure that, that everybody's got all their stuff. And so I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that kind of vacation. Do they do it by size though? Cause I wouldn't want a really big one. Pool? I don't feel like I think people overdo no, it and get too it. big. Oh no, you definitely like, and that does change the cost. That that does bring the cost back down to keep it small. Like, okay, uh, my brother now, my brother in law has a fairly small pool, but he went Infinity Edge, he went the uh, beach entry and all that stuff, and that 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 makes it add up. So, yeah, well, you don't have. I, I don't understand the point of getting an Infinity unless it's Infinity into a view. Like, well, my, that's the a thing. F- they they are on a a little bit of a an an up area like you, you got to have some okay. elevation changes like ryan there are no elevation changes you, you don't right. need an infinity edge for any reason so right all right let's go your number four my number so here's the thing too there is an again recently engaged when i was doing my list it was a constant tug of war between single re and <laughs> what does she want what do i want re yeah. And it's completely different. So I'm trying my best to like make a list because I'm still doing couples vacations now rather than single vacations with my friends. But number four is Miami. And the reason why I picked Miami is because uh, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It does have vacation vibes. Are you can we go staying to nice Miami di- Beach or are we staying Coconut Grove? Where are we staying? I like I like here's the thing when it comes to Miami. 25 year old Ari wants to stay on Miami Beach. But 33-year-old Ari wouldn't mind finding a place that's a little bit lower key. Can I, so can I, I put, give 33-year-old Ari a suggestion then? Yeah. Fort Lauderdale Beach. So I went to Fort Lauderdale for my 32nd birthday with a bunch of friends in Brittany. And I thought it was awesome. And it was rowdy, but it was also quieter. Now, Miami almost, or South Florida in general, almost didn't make my list at all because I feel like July, Miami is the worst place to be in the world for my, for weather. It's so uncomfortable. It's painful. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't because think of a worse you're, you're weather. On the, you're, oh, anywhere that's not on the water that's in the South. So where I live is much worse. Uh, Columbia, South Carolina might be the hottest place on the face of the earth in July. Uh, so yeah, no, if, if you, if you can see water, you're fine. But isn't the humidity way worse when you can see water? Not necessarily. Like the humidity where I live is, is can go up to a hundred percent on a July day and I'm 60 miles from the water because humidity, it's not the heat. It's the humidity that kills me. And I was, when we were staying in, we stayed at the W, we got a great rate because the Marriott points and 
I felt like I, I was in a sauna. Like I was like dripping wet. I just walked outside and I felt like I was in a cloud of mist. Yeah, that's and it was that's, so uncomfortable. That's I hate how that. we in. That's how we in Florida separate the wheat from the shaft. That's uh, we we do that to make sure you can handle being here. Yeah. Can you? Well, can, I can't. After four can't days, I was ready it, to go. You can't be a Florida man. Like that's, also, that's I'm a not prerequisite. I, also. Your electric bill in the in the summertime, I can't imagine. It's not. I cannot. Bad. We have insulation. That's the thing. You're in Dallas now, and and I realize you haven't been there that long, but you get as hot as we do. The difference is you have ice storms and we don't. I would take 107 degrees in Arizona any day of the week over 92 degrees in 100 humidity. I know. I okay. I love it. It's it's great because it, I love how it just makes people melt. Because I, I grew me, up in it, it's all I've ever really known. So I don't, yeah, I don't know anything different. It's the sweaty, smelly. It's just like gross. But Miami, uh, that, now, now you're getting me all hot. This is, this is <laughs> no, great. Uh, but Miami, I think, is amazing. I love it there. I love South Florida. To evade taxes on the engagement ring, I went down to South Florida for a few days. <laughs> uh, my best friend's he dad didn't lives evade in anything. It was a perfectly legal move. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> if it was a legal move. <laughs> It was I'm perfectly not, legal, but he ended up not having to pay as much in sales tax. So there you go. Right. I shipped. I bought a ring uh, a mile and a half away from my house and flew to Florida to pick it up in order not to pay 9% and sales still tax. saved money. Yeah, that's how insane the sales tax is here. But Boca Raton, I think, is an amazing place. I love Boca. I like love the lower key areas. But my the, the Boca, because you are a 74 year old man at heart, you love Boca. <laughs> well, I can think of worse things than living on a country club and having a pool in your backyard and just having your shirt off 24 hours a day, 365. But uh, I'm going to have to work out a little more before I do that. uh, No, that's the thing about being 65. It doesn't matter what you look like anymore. (laughs) No one cares. (laughs) Yeah. All right. My my number four is is wine country. I've not done the wine country thing, but, you know, you talk about weather. So I'm all for the opposite of of the brutal weather where I live in the summer. And so to go to perfect weather, which is what you would be doing if you if you go to Northern California at that time, would be outstanding. Plus, there's wine and really good food. I'm not much of a wine person, and I'm starting to kind of figure it out because uh, I'm in a situation now where I live with somebody who loves it. Um, but we did a wine tasting in Sedona a few months ago, and I had a blast. And I got really drunk unintentionally i don't know if that's what it all are okay you're not no that's why they have the spittoons okay well i didn't use the spittoon (laughs) i swallowed all of it and i was like completely blacked out by the time this thing was over but uh, drinking wine in a very calm place where you're looking at a bunch of uh grape plants and is just i mean it was a great day i had a great day uh I've never been to wine country in Northern California, though, but San Francisco almost made my list because it's 55 degrees in the middle of the heat. Yeah. It, it, now, San Francisco is weird weather, but around San Francisco is perfect weather and and perfect almost all the time. So, yeah, yeah that's why I'm in there. What is your number three? Maui. I mean, it's like Hawaii. Oh, that's it. I mean, just, I'll just say nice. Hawaii and then we can move on. Yeah, or do I need to explain it to people? No, you don't need to explain anything. I think everyone understands okay. the idea of beautiful <laughs> beaches on a on an island produced by volcanic eruption. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm all for the the Pacific Island vibes. My number three is New York City. 
which I know people are like, why would you go to New York City in the summer? Why wouldn't you want to go in December? Well, here's the thing. A lot of families can't afford to go to New York City in December. Hotel rooms are out of sight. When they put the tree up in Rockefeller Center, the hotel prices go through the roof. So you can get some pretty good deals in the summer. And if you're, if you're from where I'm from, it's not that hot. Like it, it doesn't bother you. It gets into the 80s and it's, it's not super hot. We went to New York for a week. It was actually the first time I'd ever seen New York. It was in my, my early 20s. Uh, my, my wife's sister was getting married in Central Park. It was a real small ceremony. We, you know, we, I think we were two of the three people there. Uh, Your sister got married in Central Park? My wife's sister in the Shakespeare Garden. That's insane, isn't it? Not really, no. Uh, what are you, are you watching a little too much Home Alone 2, Ari? No, no Central I'm not, Park is no, very nice. No, no, I meant insanely <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah, no, it was I awesome. did, No, I it didn't was, mean like, beautiful. like, like oh, yeah. she was getting married in a dangerous area. I'm like <laughs> thinking getting, like, do a lot of people, do a lot of, do a lot of people get mar- married in Central Park? Listen, I'm pricing out uh, destination weddings right now and yeah. keep it small. We're not getting out of this thing out of a hundred grand. Even for or, 50 people. Just put that in the house. Don't worry about the. I know. <laughs> we're going to elope. I'm, I was, I told her, I said, I'll get married next to a dumpster. Uh, what was well, the place? I, I'll tell you. So we did, we did the big church wedding because I was young. She's young. We didn't know any better. And it took us five years to, to pay it off. And we got to our honeymoon. We went to, to Jamaica for our honeymoon. And we looked out the window and we saw a couple down on the dock with like four witnesses getting married. And we're like, what the hell were we thinking? Why did we just run up all this debt for a church wedding with the with the hotel reception when all we could have done was that? And all of our friends are too cheap to do this, so we would have had like two people with us, and it would have, it would have been awesome. Yeah, and I also feel like getting married when you're 20. How old are you, 23 or something, 22? I was 22. Getting married when you're 22 and getting married when you're 33 are like completely different propositions. But it's like we want 50 people or 60 people probably. And yeah, we had 200. View, yeah. So like we want a smaller wedding and something intimate like in Laguna Beach or something like where you yeah. look at the water, but not a lot of people. And it's just insane. It's just insane. And when you, when you start pricing it in Dallas, it's much cheaper. But like we're talking about venues that have twenty five thousand dollar drink and food minimums, oh, and it's just yeah. like, come on! Like I, I don't that's even know. I, I yeah. So that's what's happening in my well, household every day. Shakespeare's Garden in Central Park, and uh, yeah. Well, that sounds expensive to me. That's why I said insane. It, like, but it's not expensive super- if if you just hire just. I don't think that. Well, no. Remember, there's no crowd. There were three of us who are witnesses. So like you're not. There are no seats. You didn't have to rent anything. Oh, we just okay. walked I, in there, had the wedding, and then walked out. Oh, okay. I thought I was picturing in Central Park with seats. No, no, no. And no, like this 50 is, people is, there. Okay. This is more eloping. And it was, but that's what makes kind of the romance of it. And and so we had a fantastic trip because the whole rest of the time we were just partying. We, we went to Broadway shows. We went to a bunch of cool bars and restaurants. And it was a lot of fun. And you know, I think different vibe, like in a few years when my kids are teenagers, I'm not taking a bunch of bars, but that would be a good time for them to explore New York City. And I would like to, I'd like to take them there and take them to some Broadway shows and uh, just let them run around the city a little bit, which they're Florida kids. They don't want to be there when it's cold. So it'd be a great summer vacation for them. 
nothing about New York City screams vacation to me. It seems it's just stressful being there. I don't know. I if I love it, I enjoy going there. Different way of life than those of us who live in flyover country. So it it feels like a very different. It's just a different life. It it, I view vacation as as like leisure activities and like sifting through all the crap you've got to do just to like do ordinary things there is stressful to me. I like it. I like going, but it I would do I would categorize it as a trip. Yeah, you got it. You got to plan. You got to plan pretty well. But okay, what is your number two? Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> I figured we'd be getting it. I'm surprised <laughs> it's number two. Well, when number one comes, you'll get it. But Vegas should probably should be number one. But the thing I love about Vegas is it can be whatever you want it to be. You can go with five of your best friends and go to beach clubs and drink and gamble and smoke darts all day. Go to nightclubs at night and just murder your body for three days. Or you can go stay at one of the nice resorts with a significant other, go to a nice dinner, uh, lay by the pool, go to the spa, and and relax. Go to a show. It, it's got everything for everybody. And if you're not a Vegas person, I understand, but there's so much more to do than just gamble now. There's so much to see. And even if like you're a hiker, there's there's hikes around the area. Uh, it's a beautiful landscape. I mean, I love Las Vegas. I want to live there. My well, my could. soon to be you're, wife and your fiance from there. My fiance is from there, grew up there, went to high school there, and refuses to move back. I I get that. That'd be like Which, if my wife wanted me to go to Orlando. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I want to. She that. thinks. Well, her reasoning is that she does not want to raise children there, and I guess I can see that. Well, my number two is the only one that's not like a a just pure city location. It's it's the, it would be a Texas barbecue and taco tour. And we'd start up in your neck of the woods and we'd move down toward Austin and kind of the, you know, all those little cities around Austin that have really cool, uh, like we go to Taylor and go to Louis Mueller and uh, maybe go to Lockhart and then go down toward San Antonio, work our way over back toward Houston. I, I just think it would be so much fun to go to a bunch of cool barbecue places to go get a bunch of really good tacos, uh, you know breakfast burritos breakfast tacos it's just that sounds like heaven to me uh i don't know if it's heaven to anybody but me but it sounds amazing of course we go to schlitterbahn we 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 do ride some water slides and build up an appetite can i ask you just a blunt question am i is your wife on board with all this stuff no, that sounds great. But is your wife, wife on board? My with wife this? would not be on board. She would do the New York one. She'd love the wine country one. She'd definitely do my number one. This is the one that's I think me and my kids would enjoy. I'm not sure how much she would enjoy that. Okay, so you want to know what my number one is? Uh, yeah. It changed. If this is what's on it, uh, road trip with you and Bill Landis starting in New York City, hitting every restaurant <laughs> on the list you put. Hitting out. every Olive Garden <laughs> on the way. <laughs> every Olive Garden and Texas Roadhouse. If we I don't find. gain. 30 pounds in the month that it would take us to do that, then I failed. Uh, if that's on the list, I just know that there's only a few people on earth that would want to just eat their way across America. I know you're one of oh them. I know God, Landis that sounds is one of them. amazing. Like and I, I would love like, to just pick, pick an interstate, pick a cross country interstate, whether it's I 10 or I 40 or I 80 and just go and, and, and devour every, everything in your site. There's yes. no health concerns. If you want to get uh, roller food while you're in the car for six hours from 
whatever you want well, goes listen, in your mouth. Larry, when they that's have pretzel buns, when they have pretzel yeah. buns in the in the little drawer, you have to take one. Yeah, let's be honest. Um, my real number one is Laguna Beach, California. Uh, I just think it is. I've been to Europe. I've been to all the places. A lot of the places that you know people would you know. I've been to Paris and the Almafi Coast in Italy, and I've done a lot of that stuff, and it's it's beautiful. The but Amalfi I think Laguna Coast? Beach. What did I say? Almafi. Amalfi. Amalfi. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> Gonzaga, yeah. Nevada. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think Laguna Beach is the most beautiful place on the face of the earth. And if I, I ever yeah, get MTV rich one show day, is in your head. How how old were you when the MTV show came out? I never watched the MTV show, so it's not. You in did. Ah, oh, I never wow. watched real real world either. Did you ever watch the OC? Nope. I don't know where I was during that time. I just I I, I, I miss it, but I I, I like mean, I like Laguna Beach. I like I actually like almost all of the Orange County beaches. I I think Huntington Beach is, is like Huntington Beach. If you wanted to just disappear for a while, you know Huntington Beach has the 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 area where you can park your camper for like fifteen bucks a night right on the beach. Like yeah. I always thought if if you're just gonna if let's say you were in trouble with the law and you just need to disappear, like that would be a fun place to end up. But uh, Newport Beach is is really awesome, and the uh, what's yeah, the, all the same the little peninsula on Newport like, Beach with all the bars yeah. and restaurants? Is, yeah, Lido. It's, it's great. Right, it, but that's the thing. It's uh, Orange County beaches are are fantastic. So I'm I'm with you there. I would have fun. So mine is also a beach. My number one. Uh, it is Grayton Beach, Florida. It is in the heart of the Redneck Riviera, uh, on you know the Panhandle. Uh, it's near Destin. Uh, the folks from the South probably know what 30A is. 30A is the the little road that yep. goes through the tiny beach towns uh, that are between Destin and uh, and Panama City. And Grayton Beach is kind of the funky one. Uh, they don't have a ton of it, like. If you keep going, you get to Seaside, which is where they filmed the Truman Show. And that place is just mobbed with tourists all the time and you can't even move. But Grayton Beach has the Red Bar, which is my death row meal, is the the black and grouper over fried grit cake at the at the Red Bar. And uh, just this beautiful, unspoiled beach. There's, there's some federally protected beach that's nearby, but there's also a bunch of lakes like right around there too. So like if you, if you wanted to buy a house there, if you had bajillions of dollars you could buy one on the beach but for a somewhat more reasonable amount you could actually buy one that's on a lake like on a freshwater lake where you could walk to the beach and it's it's just a perfect like peaceful spot that doesn't always have to be peaceful like you go you go to the the bar at the red bar and watch the nba finals which i've done quite a few times while covering the uh, the sec spring meetings in destin and you see they I mean, people get pretty rowdy and like to party but it's just it's just a beautiful place, and then you can go you can go fishing. Uh, you know, you can go out and, and do some deep sea fishing. Uh, there's a whole lot of stuff you can do there, but you also just get that perfect relaxing beach vibe. Red Bar Grouper is your death row meal. Blackened grouper over a fried grit cake, yes, and key lime pie for dessert with a scoop of vanilla ice cream. Interesting. I've never heard of that. So it's I'll it's just to, being you, you never heard of the red bar. Or you've never heard of grouper. Never heard. I've heard of grouper. I've never heard <laughs> of the red bar or the yeah, other thing that it's on top of. So What's the, it on top the, of again, a black, uh, yeah, yeah, fried grit cake. I don't know what that is. 
So you take you take grits and you mold them together, and then you you have oil in a pan and you deep fry the, the little rectangle of grits. It's spectacular. If that is your your number one meal on earth, then I might just get in the car. It's it's awesome. Now the place burned down a few years ago. They just reopened, but they are they are back at back at it. And it's just I remember the first time we went there. It was one of those. I was covering SEC spring meetings. I, I think I was working for the Tampa Tribune, and one of the older sports writers told me you have to go to this place. If you know if you're going up there, you need to go get dinner here. And I remember it was one of those deals where you had to wait like an hour for a table. And so I just start walking around the little, little town and, and onto the beach. And I'm like, this is what heaven looks like. Like this, this is heaven right here. And so that's why it's, that's my number one, probably never going to change. It's so on brand that your number one is in Florida though. Yeah. The number one vacation spot in America that you could go to is in Yellowstone. It's not Grand Canyon. It's not Laguna Beach. It's it's just what a three hour drive from where you live. I love those places so much. I'd live there. Well, I love Laguna and I can't for obvious reasons. So my <laughs> my can. life goal is no. I don't think I could live in an apartment there. You could live in an apartment I don't know in Laguna. I don't know if I could. You could maybe live in Irvine and drive there. I don't want to live in a place that makes me not able to live a comfortable lifestyle. So one day when. Uh, I get rich and I'll figure out how uh, Skip Bayless got rich. I can get rich. Um, you do have a lot of terrible takes just like Skip Bayless. So I know, but I actually believe mine. I I'm worried. He actually believes most of his too. I don't like, think he believes him. I think he might believe LeBron's bad at basketball. Me thinking that. Yeah. See that for instance is impo- It's a fact that he's great. Like it's not a debate you can, where he <laughs> right. is on great. Where he is on the scale of greatness is up for debate. But whether he's good at basketball is just <laughs> right. You saw the tweet. I, I, we don't. Have to, I don't want to give him any more attention than he. I, I just want to get rich and live in Laguna Beach and have a house with an ocean view. And I don't know what I have to do to do that. But that's my life goal. I you think, think I can do probably it? Probably a way. Oh yeah, write a bestseller. Uh, yes, TV is the way to go for that. I, I think Skip could probably afford one of those places. So spout some terrible takes on TV. I think there's there's money in that. How much do I have to yell filet fish is the best fast food sandwich before I can buy a house in Laguna Beach? You got to be careful because that, you know, you don't want to just completely fall into shtick. But uh, but no, I mean, yeah. I, I think that's a good start because you truly believe that. In my heart. Yeah. Yes. So you got to start with that. And, and now you'll branch out into some more BS that you don't actually believe. But you can always come back to that. That's your your guiding principle. Your North Star <laughs> is the filet of fish yeah yeah sure is all right Ari's gonna go eat some filet of fish and dream of Laguna Beach I'm gonna go have a beer in my back oh no wait I'm gonna cook a leg of lamb because that's I got Easter dinner I had to delay the the taping of the podcast because I had to make the mac and cheese which is now ready to go in the, the oven. famous mac and cheese yes yes there will, I'll send some pictures out uh but then I now I've got to grill a leg of lamb and I mean they have a beer while I do that and and think Enjoy about it. And think about the red bar at Grayton Beach and just laying on Grayton Beach and then walking to the red bar for dinner. Oh, I can see it now. Talk to you Wednesday. (laughs) 